The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, everybody. Before we jump in, um, I do want to mention iHeart and encourage you to sign up if you haven't yet. And if you haven't done it in the past, um, every year we take five days and take on service projects all over our county um, and uh, meeting with parks and recs departments and schools and just trying to figure out things that they maybe can't get to that we can help with. And so if you haven't signed up, if you haven't been a part in the past, or even if you have, I encourage you to get signed up and maybe you can only do a day or maybe you can do a couple of days. There's some individuals that, that do all five days, but I want to encourage you to sign up, and on your way out today, there are signups as you walk out towards the lobby. It's towards your left, um, that direction, so I um, encourage you to do that. It's going to be a great year. Again, got all kinds of projects coming together and looking forward to how we can continue to make a difference in our community, so... We're in a series called Happy Trails. Today's part four, we're looking at the Psalms of Ascent, and this is a little bit repetitive from the last few weeks, but um, the Psalms of Ascent were songs that were sung, talked about, quoted, or chanted to individuals together while they were on pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So people in Israel would travel on pilgrimage three times a year for certain festivals, and um, that's where these Psalms would be um, utilized. And so today we're looking at Psalm 128. If you got a Bible with you, um, you can turn there. If you got a smartphone with a Bible app, you can check that out. We always have the scriptures on screen, so you can look at those as well. Um, well, Heather, my wife, led worship today, and um, we, we've been married quite a while now, but I go back to our dating years, and we dated seven years, which is a little bit crazy, and uh, we managed to add up the amount of times we broke up, and it was 10 times, and um, it was always her fault, just to be clear, so... Um, <laughs> But when we were dating, there was a time where I specifically said to her, I'm not sure that I really want to get married. And how many guys know that can cool off a relationship really fast? Um, And so, like I said, it was all her fault, not mine. But um, in fact, before coming to faith in Christ, I didn't really have any idea of like, I want to get married and have kids. I just kind of know none of that. And um, needless to say, after a long dating season, we got married and we kind of had what I guess some would say is like a five-year plan to have kids. Like eventually we'll have kids. And, um, And at about year two, just over two, going on two and a half, she's like, let's have kids. And I'm like, it hasn't been five years yet. And uh, so uh, we started having kids immediately. But here's the thing. For me, it's like I would never have been ready. I don't know about you, but the way I'm like going on 44, I would probably still say I'm not ready to have kids. And we now have four kids. And, and really, um, I, I'm so blessed. I feel blessed to, with my wife. And, and of course, we have two boys and two girls, and, and, and life really is uh, very good. It's not perfect and all that stuff, but, but it really is good. And you know, even as I look around the room and, and, and know uh, many individuals and know some of your families and extended families, it really is cool to see how God has blessed so many of us. And this psalm in particular today is really going to talk about God's blessing and in particular about the idea of family. So we're going to navigate through. What I want to do is read, and I'm going to pray, and then we'll go through this verse by verse today. Um, It says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing from the man, excuse me, for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be 
on Israel. Father, today we stop and pray, and, and God, I would hope uh, navigate through your Holy Spirit understanding this psalm, but also understanding how it matters to our lives. While we sit in this room together, it's easy for so many maybe to feel like this doesn't apply to them, that they're off on the sidelines waiting, and, and maybe they're not married yet, or, or um, marriage has been very challenging, and there's kind of this divorce thing in their background, or um, family hasn't been as fun and, and joyous as anybody ma- might imagine, even the struggle of having kids. And God, I pray for you to help us understand and open our eyes to the value of this psalm. In Jesus' name, amen. So as as you study this and look at these verses, part of understanding it is that this is probably a continuation from Psalm 127. Psalm 127 actually talks about kids, and I'm going to quote that here in a little bit, Um, but Psalm 128, it, it probably is a continuation. It's also probably a psalm that was sung. If you remember, I mentioned the pilgrimage idea. They were traveling from whatever cities they were from to Jerusalem, and they would obviously stop at certain points and camp out overnight and enjoy meals together. This is probably one of those psalms that was utilized while they were having a meal together when they stopped during their pilgrimage. And it would be something they could sing together, um, they could quote together, they could encourage each other with. And so that's kind of the back story. And verse 1, starts out blessed or how joyful are all who fear the Lord who walk in obedience to him. Now, it's really important to get that this verse is the foundation for the rest of the psalm. It all starts with this verse because he's saying this verse sets the stage for the rest of these things to play out the way that God would want them to play out. And it starts with everything centers around the Lord. And if we're all really honest, it can be a challenge to make sure the whole of our lives centers around God, centers around the filter of, is my life lining up with what God wants? And that's the challenge that we all need to think a little bit and be a little introspective about when it comes to this verse. Is the Lord at the center of my life? Is the Lord at the center of my family? Do I involve Jesus and, and his word and, and the whole of, of, of my life? Do I involve the Lord in my decisions, in my convictions, in my direction? Does it come from him? When you continue looking at the whole of scripture, and again, we could spend days and days and days on this conversation, but I love how Psalm 63 says this, and I was looking at this in the message version, and it says this, God You are my God. Now, I want you to think about this through the lens of your life. God, you are my God. I can't get enough of you. I've worked up such a hunger and thirst for God traveling across dry and weary deserts. Life is tough. I've uh, worked up such a hunger. So here I am in this place of worship. Listen to these words. Eyes open, drinking in your strength and your glory. In your generous love, I am really living at last. My lips brim with praises like fountains. I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners of praise to you. 
Would you say that when you think about your life that, that you're guilty of living this way? And it, for, for most of us, it's probably a bit of a roller coaster. And, and it's probably times where we go, man, I'm there and I, I'm committed and that's my passion. And times where we look back and go, you know, there, there are seasons where my heart's been a little cold, where I'm just going through the motions, where I'm not looking through the lens of faith. I'm looking at sort of what I want or what this world has to offer. And that can be a struggle, but... It's that challenge of looking at, God, I want to continue to mature in my faith. And I want to be guilty of Psalm 63, verses 1 through 4, every day of my life. And that's the challenge that we need to be brought to. So the verse, this psalm starts out with that first verse, Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. Now, then what he's saying is the outflow then is this result. And that's where we get to verse 2 through 6. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. The King, King James says, happy and well ye shall be. Now, I want to remind us all of this, and this is a little side sermon in the midst of a main message here, but here it is. We are all called to, to be part of a workforce. We're not exempt from needing to do diligent work. How many of us are well aware handouts don't work? And so even here, and again, this is a little side message within the message, but the reminder is we are not exempt from work. In fact, you and I are challenged to be diligent about whatever we do and whatever we put our hands to as a career or as a job, no matter what it is. That's why I believe that followers of Christ ought to be the most incredible employees anybody could ever hire. That's why I believe that when you and I go to work, we don't just look through the lens of what everybody else does and so they cut corners and so I can cut corners and they kind of take some stuff home so I can kind of take some stuff home and eh, I'm kind of giving half-baked effort but they're not really paying me that much anyways and I deserve more so and if they're going to shaft me, I'm just going to shaft them back by not doing what I'm supposed to do. No, no, you and I, if you say you're a follower of Christ, we don't get that excuse. Because Colossians 3, if you're taking notes, write it down. Colossians 3, verses 23 through 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Why? As working for the Lord, not human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. The fact is, whatever it is that we put our hands to, to gain income and to, to have purpose, it's understanding that we're not just doing it because we have to do it. We're not just doing it because it makes sense or we get some income from it. We're doing it understanding the filter of, I want to do my best because I'm not only accountable to my employer, but I'm accountable to God for how I do my job. And some of you today need to begin to walk in repentance and need to go to your boss and say, forgive me, I haven't been doing what I ought to be doing because we're called to be diligent. We're called to have integrity. That includes pastors. The result is this, as we work diligently, we're blessed. First of all, it's understanding one with the satisfaction of a job done with integrity. And that's what I just mentioned from Colossians 3. Number two, with the advancement of opportunity. 
You get promotion. You get a better job in another place at some point. You trust that as you do what you're called to do with integrity, God can open up certain doors for you. I love praying with people that go, you know what, this job thing and this career thing, or I got a pink slip and I don't know. And I love encouraging people with a couple of Proverbs that, by the way, if you're taking notes, you should write these down too. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16 says this, a man's gifts will make a way for him and bring him before great men. And that, can, that applies to females as well, by the way. And then the second one, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine. Observe people who are good at their work. Skilled workers are always in demand and admired. They don't take a back seat to anyone. That's Proverbs 22, verse 29. I love those verses. And when I pray with people, I will quote those verses. Hey, don't forget. The Bible says, see a man skilled in his labor, see a woman skilled in her labor. They will serve before kings, not obscure men. I quote that to people. Let me encourage you to be diligent about what you do and let God open certain doors. Let God take care of what the future looks like. You just do your part because we're called to. It says, you will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Verse three, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Now, men in particular, be careful how you use this because if you're at home and you look over and go, babe, you are like a fruitful vine. It might not go over incredibly well. It's like some of those verses in Song of Solomon. If you've ever read those, you ever read those? Like, I just want you to know, honey, your nose is like a tower, sweetie. It says that in Song of Solomon. It, it gives words like this. Your, your hair is like a flock of goats, babe. It looks amazing. Your legs are like cedar trees. Mm, your navel is like a goblet. You're like, whoa, 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 PG here. We got kids around. I know, I get it. But there are certain things, so don't go around and say, babe, you are like a well-watered vine, honey. We good? Cool so far? Okay. So let's walk through this for a little bit. Because again, it's talking about when you and I, and for guys in particular in marriage and and with our spouse, with our wives, that, that God blesses marriage and God blesses the individuals within the marriage covenant. And it gives a description. You, you, you can take this verse right here, uh, 128, Psalm 128, verse 3. Take this verse and move it right into Proverbs chapter 31. There, there's great verses here in Proverbs 31, 21 verses that spell out how a woman is gifted by God. And it gives a whole description and, and it's pretty insightful. But it says things like this, noble character. She is priceless. She's intelligent. She's confident. She's diligent, she's wise, she's nurturing, she's compassionate, she's prudent, she's savvy, she's faithful, she's blessed, she's God-fearing, she's a great worship leader. Okay, that one I added for my own little so, but, but all of these things, listen, all of those things are described in Proverbs 31, and you can take a listen and be encouraged by it, but it's that reminder of when we live in, in, in God's blessing, it's so fun to help our wives flourish the way God designed them to, that it's amazing and it's liberating for them. I love that Proverbs over and over talks about the blessing of a wife and Again, if you're taking notes, I got a bunch of verses, but 5.18, chapter 5, verse 18, may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Chapter 12, verse 4, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. Chapter 18, verse 22, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. 19, verse 14, a prudent wife is from the Lord. And I love those verses, but some of us go, yeah, but aren't there some bad wives out there just like there's bad husbands out there? And by the way, this is a bad time to elbow people around you. Don't do it. Just, just don't do it. 
But I, I love that Proverbs gives us both sides of the picture because it also will say things like this. Chapter 19, verse 13, a quarrelsome wife is like the constant dripping of a leaky roof. It's hard to hear, but anyway. Annoying, okay? Another one says this. Better to live on the corner of a roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Better to live in a desert than with a quarrelsome and nagging wife. 23, 27, a wayward wife is a narrow well. And I'm not looking at anyone in particular right now. (laughs) But I do love how in, in this Psalm 128, verse 3, we are reminded that when we live in a marriage covenant the way God intends, and by the way, as guys, Ephesians 5 says, love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, then she's able to flourish the way God intends. And that's our role, by the way. As guys. Okay, it goes on to say this, uh, verse, uh, verse three, the second part, your, your, uh, your kids will be like olive shoots around your table. And we read that and go, well, what does that even mean? Like, what, what is that all about? And the idea is as they're eating together and encouraging one another with this psalm, it's like the, the joy of watching our kids grow up and not only grow physically, but, but, but grow in wisdom and grow in understanding. And there's something that for all of us, that we have kids and we watch our kids and they're little babies and they get older and they go to school and they learn things and they come home and there's conversations. It's the joy of being able to watch them become who God intended them to become. And for many of us in this room, there's memory after memory of conversations around tables and, and you know, in the kitchen or putting them to bed and, and things you talk about. But it's meant to be this idea that there's purpose in gathering and watching them continue to grow and mature. When it says olive shoots, the idea is, is you know, what, what olives do is they grow and they grow into olive trees and they produce fruit. And that fruit uh, provides not only nutrition, but provides heat and provides light. And I think about the joy of my own kids. And our family's by no means perfect. And there's all kinds of things we've navigated and continue to navigate because that's the nature of having kids. But Heather and I have four kids. We have two boys and two girls. And just yesterday, again, thinking about the joy of being around and watching them dream and full of light and, and, and passion about life. Um, Stella, we were in the kitchen yesterday and we we're doing some stuff there. And Heather was around the corner and Stella yells out, mom, when are you going to sign me up for acting classes? And just again, that thing of like, that's what she wants to do. Great. Go for it, kid. We love you. You're awesome. You know, get rich. Anyway, no, just kidding. Um, but, but we, you know, you, she has this dream. I think about M, who's our oldest, and she's 16, going on 17, and I'm not going to sing the song from uh, Sound of Music, but she's 16, and, and we were just talking, I think it was yesterday morning, and she was talking about what she wants to do, and she's creative, and she's artsy, which is great, but I said, most artists don't you know, get rich till after they die, so that's probably not going to be a, a great path right now for you. Um, but she said, I, I love nursing, and I, I think I want to be a nurse, and as we're talking about it... Um, she said, you know, I was thinking about the path and she said, I want to, I'm thinking about, I don't think I want to be an RN. I think I want to be a nurse practitioner. And because I know everything about it, I said, what are you talking about? What's the difference? Um, and she began to talk to me about the difference as far as she knows. And she's kind of just learning the ropes and stuff. But as we continue to talk, she has more education and, you know, you learn whatever. And she said, you know, maybe, maybe a doctor. And, and again, I'm just like, that's awesome, kiddo. If you want to do that, by all means, you know, we, we, we were all for you doing that. And she's brilliant, and it's so fun. And her grade point average, as school ended, is like if you multiply mine by four, that's her grade point average. But, um, <laughs> but she's amazing. And then I think about my eight-year-old, and the only thing he can do right now is, is build things and draw minions. And, and I don't know where that leads, but I'm sure something will happen good from that. 
For Father's Day, he literally on a post-it note, I, I put this on Facebook, he drew me a minion with like a hat and, uh, and, and a tie and a briefcase. And like, happy Father's Day on it. I'm like, buddy, thank you so much, man. And it looked like an Amish minion, which was weird. But anyway, so <laughs> God bless him. That'll go places, I guess. And then Jack, and Jack literally tomorrow turns 14. And, and Jack is so fun because, you know, we talk about life and we joke about things and we hang out and, and it's awesome. But he says, dad, I want to be a professional baseball player. And I said, bud, here's what you got to do. You got to practice. I said, that's a really good idea if you really think you want to do that. And we talked about how that whole study about like, if you do, if you do something 10,000 times, you can finally become really good at it. I said, bud, you got a long ways to go. And, and I said, you might want to start with doing push-ups because right now there's not really a lot of muscle, you know, going on. And so I'm super encouraging, but <laughs> go for it, bud. You want to do baseball? That's awesome. And we support you. That's great. We love it. But, but you know, anyway, but it's fun because there's such a light around our, our, our house because of kids. And I do think of how in my teenage years, I just was like, I don't, I don't know that I want kids. I was a jerk of a kid. My poor parents had to endure me. And I'm serious. I was like, it's terrible. Um, and so I didn't want kids. And I look at life now and go, man, God, it, it really is a blessing. It's stressful and crazy, just like any of us in the room go, we've had our days. But, but it is amazing. And that watching them grow and mature and become you know what God wants. We, we did a series a little while back called Bless This Home. And, and it's something we actually uh, got from Life Church, Craig Grishel. But one of the, 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 the core of that series was this, we're not a Christian family, we're a Christ-centered home. And my hope would be that that rings in all of our ears, that it's easy to sort of give ourselves the label Christian family, and, but, but there's not necessarily a ton of depth to it because everybody could say I'm Christian or a Christian family, but a Christ-centered home to me adds, adds weight. And if you ever, you can go back on our media link at grove.church and, and, and click on that and you can go back and listen to that whole series. And there's all kinds of tools to help you in that whole thing of what does it mean to be a Christ-centered home. Now, I want to take a pause for a second also, and I want to pray because I'm aware in some, some stories in particular intimately with some of the struggles that are in this room. And I know that the family thing and the marriage thing hasn't played out the way that some people in this room hoped it would. And there's words like divorce that you feel like at times sort of label you or define you. And I want to encourage you that it doesn't. And I want to encourage some of those, those that, that literally in this room that I've prayed for, that you're navigating some of those tough seasons of wanting to have kids, wanting to have a family and going, I don't, I don't know, but we're trying to figure it out. And, and some of those conversations have included adoption and what that looks like. And those are things I pray for, for you. Because I know we look at the psalm and go, well, if you love God, you get to have a great marriage and tons of kids. And we all go, well, a lot of people do, but some people don't. And I want to pray, and it's not because I'm a miracle worker, but I also have faith that God can perform miracles, that God is going to open certain doors for some of you in the room that are feeling the sting of this message so far, that are going, great, love the words, but... It's, it's not that way for me. And I want to take a moment and pray for you. And if you just pray along, I believe God can do miracles. And honestly, as we pray and we're done and we move on weeks and whatever, as things change and maybe God performs some miracles, we would love to hear about it because God does answer prayer. Okay, so let's pray. Father, today, I am, I'm well aware, not of every situation in this room, but of many situations where marriage is incredibly strained or there's separation, where some people in this room feel the, the weight of, well, you know what? I never thought I'd be divorced, but here I am. Or, or, or people in the room where thinking about the idea, we want to have kids, or we, we thought that we would, and it just isn't working, and we've talked to doctors, or we're trying to go this adoption route, but we ran into this roadblock, or we're kind of waiting here, and we don't know. God, our prayer today together is that you would provide breakthrough.
That God for, for different individuals navigating the relationship side of it and, and, and marriage conversations or whatever. Father, I pray for you to have your way. And I pray for an incredible humility and an openness to the work of your spirit, God, that can open doors. I pray for some that God, whether it's the, the situation of infertility and all that, that God, you can open wombs. And we see it in scripture. And I, I have no reason why I wouldn't believe that if you did it there, you would do it today, even in this room, God, that you can just cause different things to happen, that, that families can have those kids that they want, God, and even adoption knowing that there are kids that need to be adopted and that we navigate a world where it's, it's easy, well, just, just get rid of the kid and be, and be done and you're pregnant, oh well. But God, we believe in adoption and we believe that these kids have a purpose and can have a place. And we pray that you would navigate that as well, that even in this room, people with these hearts of, of adoption, that you can open doors and cause things to work out. And we pray for miracles, God. You know the details. We look forward to you doing them simply because we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. I want to encourage you with that. And I do look forward to what God can do because I know it's easy as a pat answer to simply say, love God and watch all that he can do and everything's going to play out great. And yet, even as we said at the beginning of this series, Psalms are really about the heart's cry because things don't always work out exactly the way that we want them to. That's the reality of the Psalms. Okay, um, four through six, it says this. Yes, this will be the blessing for the one who fears the Lord or the man who fears the Lord. And then it goes on to say, may the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. And finally, may the Lord, may you live to see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Now, I put these all together for a couple of reasons, but first of all, I want to encourage you that God is a miracle worker and that God does work when we live in a place of surrender. And I don't want to set that aside simply because it doesn't always happen the way we sort of think it should. That as we live a life of surrender, I am a firm believer that God puts certain things together when we live in surrender that he's waiting for you and I to live in surrender to begin to do. So that's part of it. But as it continues, it talks about the Lord bless you from Zion. And we go, well, what does that even mean? And the reason, in particular in this psalm, this happens throughout the Bible when it ties to Jerusalem or it ties to Zion is because in the Old Testament in particular, the reminder was as we're tied to covenant and we walk in the Old Testament law, God will be our covering and our blessing. It's different for you and I if we're followers of Christ today because we're not bound to the Old Testament law. So you and I have a freedom in Christ. You and I aren't bound to obey a bunch of laws, but Paul says, you and I are connected to what he would say is the law of the Spirit. And what that is, is the Bible says you and I have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and what the Holy Spirit is doing is guiding, is convicting, is steering us, and helping us live a Christ-centered life as we live in surrender to Jesus and to the Word of God. And so the reminder is, in the Old Testament, it was blessed from Zion or from Jerusalem or in Israel because it had to do with that covenant in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's a whole different covenant centered around what Jesus did on the cross. So as you and I live in a place of surrender to to the saving work of Christ, but also to the lordship of Christ, that you and I are blessed by God in so many ways. In fact, Paul says, great and precious promises are ours. And I encourage you to mine those out. I don't have time today to get into all those details. And then it says, may you live to see your children's children. May there be peace or peace be upon Israel. As this Psalm ends, I want you to step back from the whole of it. And I want you to notice this. The first thing it talks about is you and I living a surrendered life. And then it flows from there into individual blessings, family blessings, 
In, in, in the New Testament, it would be church blessings, Jerusalem, and then it would be nationwide blessings. So the idea is as an individual lives surrendered, they're blessed by God. As a family can live a Christ-centered life in their home, they're blessed by God. As a church lives in surrender to the work of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit together, we're blessed by God. And as a nation would do that, that nation would be blessed by God. All of that matters. And I want to encourage you to, to think through that lens of, am I living in a place of surrender? Am I living in a place that, that I am a Christ-centered individual? And this conversation matters deeply to me because that's the foundation for the rest of this psalm. God, today, that's our prayer. God, that, that for every single one of us in the room, that as we think about what it means to, to acknowledge who you are and your love, to acknowledge, God, your, your, your grace and the fact that you are a God who blesses, Lord, that's been manipulated in so many ways, God, from 2 a.m. weird television channels that some preacher bought into and said, you know, give this amount and put your hands on the TV screen and pray this prayer and you'll be blessed in all these ways to individuals who overuse the idea of prosperity. But the fact remains, you do want to bless us. That God, that's the nature of you being a loving heavenly father. No different than for me and for many of us in here as parents. That God, we want to bless our kids. We have blessed, it's a joy to do that. And I pray that we wouldn't shy away from it simply because it's been manipulated. But that God, we would also understand in the context of a psalm like this, what it means to live in a place of surrender. And that's my prayer for all of us, that yes, we can reap the benefits, God, but it's not about, I want the benefits, it's about being in a place of surrender, that we can enjoy them. That's not the motive of them. I wanna be in surrender, period. But I love what comes out of it, God, and that's part of the picture of this psalm. Help us live as individuals, as families, as a church, and our prayer even for a nation, God, like where we get to live and blessed to live, that, Father, we would even in our nation live in a place of surrender. That's our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.